You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Senior Minister Tim Johnson. Reading today is from 1 Corinthians 12, 13-31. For we were all baptised by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of me. Now if the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact... God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I I do not need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, Every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and every one of you is a part of it, and God has placed in the church, first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I reckon it's pretty hard being the church at the moment. The word for church in the Bible is the word ecclesia, which means gathering. And yes, we're gathered digitally together today and praise God for the technology and the skills of our tech team that makes it possible to do that. But we're not physically gathered in each other's presence today as we've been used to in times past. And so how can the church be the church when we're not gathered together. And as time rolls on and we go through lockdown after lockdown, it gets increasingly challenging, doesn't it, to be together and have that sense of connectedness. 
And so it's good for us to be reminded about what lies at the heart of being the church. So we're doing a three-week series at the moment called The Church Is. And we're looking at three images in the Bible for the church. So we can remind ourselves who we are and what our calling is together as followers of Jesus. Last week, Dell spoke about the church as a temple. Jesus is the cornerstone of the building. No Jesus, no church. And together we're filled with God's spirit and called to worship him together. Now, today's image from 1 Corinthians 12 is more organic. The church is a body. It's a unified whole, and yet it has many different parts. And each part has been designed for a set purpose, and each part has a role to play so that the body can do its job. So grab your Bibles and let's turn to 1 Corinthians 12 as we look at this together. Verse 12 starts with a surprising statement. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with... Now, how should that sentence end? Right? You'd expect Paul to say, so it is with the church. He's talking about the church. He's talking about the local church in the city of Corinth. But he has such a high view of the church as being Christ's body that he uses a shorthand and he says, so it is with Christ. One of Paul's favorite ways of describing Christians is being in Christ. So if you're someone who follows Jesus, you've put your trust in him, you are so closely united with him through faith that you are in him. Everything he has done by his perfect life, his death, his resurrection is yours. You are in him. And so following this logic further, if I am in Christ and you are in Christ and he's in Christ and she's in Christ, then guess what? We're all in Christ together. And together, we make up Christ's body. We are Christ's body. Down in verse 27, this is stated in a powerful way. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. The church is not a building or an institution or a service. The church is a body of people, the body of Christ, and you are part of it. What's more, as part of this body, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. Verse 13. For we were all baptised by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. When we start following Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and lives within us and fills us. It's powerfully described here as, as drinking the Holy Spirit, like water flooding in and filling our bodies. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you're part of the body of Christ and you have God's Spirit living in you. 
It's interesting, isn't it, that we've looked at two images for the church over the past two weeks, the church as a temple and the church as a body. And yet both of those different images emphasize the fact that the Holy Spirit fills the temple and fills the body. The presence of God's Spirit within us as the church is vital to our identity. As we often say in our church services, we are the body of Christ. His Spirit is with us. Now, just pause and have a look at your own body for the moment, right? Your body has different parts. There's hands and there's ears. There's legs and there's eyes. It's, it's a single body, but it's made up of many parts. And so it is with the body of Christ, the church. Verse 14 says, Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. So the strength and the beauty of the church is its variety and diversity while still being a single body. Not all of us are the same, and that's good. You know, there isn't some sort of divine cookie cutter making neat little Christians who are all the same. Uh, in our church, for example, we have a variety of ages, from age zero to age 98. We've got a variety of different experiences and personalities and professions. We've got a variety of abilities and gifts which have been given by the Holy Spirit. So we're one body and we belong together, but we're uniquely shaped within the body so that we all have a part to play within the whole. So here's your first take home for today. If you're a follower of Jesus, then you are part of the body of Christ. You belong. You have the Spirit of God living in you. You are filled and empowered. And you have unique gifts, talents, experiences, and contributions that are needed by the church. You are essential. You belong. You are filled. You are empowered. You are essential. That's the reality of your identity in Jesus that is unpacked in this passage. But in the rest of the passage, we see two objections that people might make to what I've just said. The first one is in verse 15, and it's the objection, I don't belong. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. Some people in the church, and maybe you are one of them, doubt that you have anything to contribute. I remember preaching about the body of Christ years ago, and after the service, a lady in her 50s, who'd been a Christian for a while, came up and said, look, I know you said we all have gifts from the Holy Spirit, but I don't believe that that's true for me. Like, she genuinely didn't think that she had anything to contribute. 
Now, it may not be as, as blunt as that. In verses 15 and 16, what seems to be happening is, you know, the foot knows it's a foot. But the trouble is, the hand is, is way cooler. It's got opposable thumbs and everything. The hands are where the action is. So because I'm not a hand, then I don't really belong to the church. I can't contribute the sort of things that, that other people do. And maybe this is more where you feel this objection. I don't belong because I can't play the guitar like him. Or I can't pray like her. Or when they talk about Jesus with their friends, people listen and come to have a relationship with Jesus. When I speak, they just shut me out. I've got these measly, boring gifts that seem a bit naff. I don't belong. Do you feel that? Now, there are genuine things that might motivate these feelings of inadequacy in the church. And it can be sometimes because others make you feel like that. We'll talk about that in a minute. Now, I don't want to downplay or belittle your feelings that you don't belong. But I need to say that it's not true. When the voice in your head tells you, I don't really belong, don't believe that voice. It's speaking lies. And Paul points out that the feeling that you don't belong is actually illogical in verse 17. If the entire body was an eye, that would look really weird. <laughs> and we wouldn't be able to hear. Or if the entire body was, was a nose, again, very weird looking body, and we wouldn't be able to hear. Now, as a church, we don't need 200 guitarists because then who's gonna operate the sound desk or who's gonna sing? We don't need 200 people to lead prayers in church. Because who would join in the prayers? We don't need 200 gifted evangelists. Because who would nurture and grow new Christians? It doesn't make sense to say that you don't belong just because you're different. And the truth is that God has given you your gifts and abilities deliberately and purposefully. Verse 18. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. God doesn't make mistakes. God didn't make a mistake with you. He may have made you a bit different. Well, that was his choice. But you're a necessary part of Christ's body. So then you do belong. How then... Can you use your gifts in the service of the whole? This is a great place for our life groups to get stuck into a serious conversation together. Do you know what your gifts are? Can you chat about this together? Do you have an avenue in the church to use your gifts? Maybe you're not sure where you can serve, especially at the moment due to restrictions. Recent research actually shows that volunteering in Australia has plummeted due to COVID. 
a number of areas where people were able to volunteer their time aren't currently available. But even when things have resumed, people haven't returned to volunteer roles. Maybe because they're fearful, because the opportunities have changed, because of pressures on their time, because they no longer think there is a need. Uh, and my conversations with people in a variety of churches tell a similar story. That it's harder to find people willing to volunteer and to be involved in ministry in our current climate. And I can understand some of the drivers for that. We're tired. We're stretched. There is so much uncertainty about the future and what things will look like. But it would be sad if we as the church simply mirrored that downward trend in volunteering in society. So at the end of the day, being volunteers is probably not the best word to use anyway. We're not just volunteers, we are members of the body of Christ. God has given us gifts by his Holy Spirit. So how can we use that in a changed world, in a new future, but how can we be the body of Christ and use those gifts? The second objection is in verse 21. I don't need you. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. So if the first objection, I don't belong, was motivated by inadequacy, then the second objection, I don't need you, is motivated by self-sufficiency and pride. Now, I doubt we'd be so blunt as to out and out say to other people at church, we don't need you. But we can express this attitude in more subtle ways and the effect is the same. We can do it by having an attitude of perfectionism. You know, we have such high standards for how things should be done and a certain way that they have to be done or have always been done that that other person just can't do it properly. I don't need you. I can do it better myself. I don't need you, I can do it more quickly myself. I don't need you, what if you stuff it up? You know, the first time I ever preached a sermon in church, I was 19 years old. Pity the poor souls who had to sit through that. Uh, I mean, at least now I've had 26 years of practice and they do say that the first 50 years of preaching are the hardest. Now, instead of inviting 19 year old Tim to preach, the ministers of that church could have said, we don't need you. We are much more experienced preachers. We don't need you. We can do it better than you. We don't need you. You might say something stupid. But they didn't do that. They recognised something in me and they nurtured and developed it. One insight that has struck me about good leadership is that if someone can do a job 80% as well as you can, 
you should hand it over to them. People will never do it as well as you to begin with. People don't need to do it exactly the same way that you do it. People might have completely new ideas and new sets of gifts and have to be released to grow. Rather than saying, I don't need you, say, we believe in you, have a go. In fact, our passage goes even further than this in verse 22 and following. Just as our physical bodies have parts that might seem weaker, less useful or private, they're actually essential to the good functioning of the body. So much in the life of a church goes on out of sight, and yet our life together would collapse without it happening. So each and every week, people spend dedicated time praying for the ministry of the church. People pick up the phone and call someone to check in on how they're doing. People cook meals for those who are sick or drive them to doctor's appointments. People mow the lawns, arrange the flowers, organise the kitchen. People sit at their kitchen table and prepare life group studies for their groups or lessons for our children. I could keep going. All of these things are done by volunteers. No, that's not the right word, remember. <laughs> volunteers is too weak. All these things are done by members of the body. Just because it's not up front and seen, just because we don't even think about needing that it has to happen, these things are essential to the life of the church. And in fact, we're told that God gives greater honour to parts that lack it. In some weird way in the economy of God, he honours the things that seem less important. God sees. God knows. God will honour these faithful acts of service, these expressions of love for the body, this using of your gifts in his service. So here's the final challenge for us as the body of Christ. Are we in any way saying to other members of the body, we don't need you? As well as ministering to others, are you letting them minister to you? Are you apprenticing people in leadership? who may not yet do the job as well as you can, but one day will and maybe better? Are you encouraging them to use their gifts to serve us all? We're all one body. We are the body of Christ. God's spirit lives in us. We're not all the same, thank God, and each one of us has a part to play with our unique gifts, unique personalities, and unique experiences. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek. 